Good morning, and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumser, and today we'll be talking with Ellen Nussbaum, who is newly appointed the CEO of Humanize. You may recall Humanize because we've had Ben Weber on the show a number of times over the years. Ellen, how are you? Um, fine. How are you, John? I am on top of the world. You know, I live out in Sonoma County, so I'm just getting back to the house after a week's worth of evacuation, and uh, uh, it's 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 an interesting time here. Would you would you take a moment and introduce yourself to the audience? I, I know they're dying to get to know you. Oh, absolutely. Thank you. Um, as you mentioned, I just joined Humanize about two months ago as CEO. I'm calling in from sunny but chilly Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm excited to speak with you today. That's fantastic. So, so let's just let's just review it. What does Humanize do? Um, yeah. So Humanize, you know, <clears throat> our goal is to help companies understand where and how employees collaborate. So in that way, the company can create the right the right environment for their employees. So we're really focused on as work evolves and people work in different locations and use different technologies to really understand what about the infrastructure, what about the physical space is either helping or hindering employee collaboration so that companies can then, you know, evolve that to make it more more productive for their employees. So... um, how do you do that? I guess that I guess I guess rather than making fun of you right off the bat, I'll ask you how you do that. So, you know, you mentioned Ben that you've had on the show before. The company is really very deeply rooted in science. It was founded by um, a group of people who were working on their PhDs at MIT, and they were really studying collaboration. And what they realized is that, you know, if you have the right data, you can really understand are people working face-to-face? Are they having, um, you know, WebEx or web conference meetings? Are they emailing? What are the different ways that people are working? And you can really try and correlate that with some performance and say, well, which of these various collaboration styles are working best? Um, Is there an optimal amount in terms of how much time should I spend in meetings? How much time should I spend on emails? free time to focus on doing work. And while there's no one universal answer for all companies in all industries, again, I think you can start to connect this with um, what what has the performance been? Which managers are seeing the highest engagement from their teams? Where are we seeing the best employee retention? Um, And to really start to say, well, how do we connect that to the way the organization and the environment is structured, and you really can see things that that start to move the needle in terms of making the environment better and therefore helping the employee to be more successful. Well, I want to drill into what you can see in just a second, but let's talk about how you collect the data. What 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 actually do you collect, and what do you know? Sure. So the the primary thing that we collect is what we call digital data. And so what that is, is we take information from the email system, from the calendaring system, if people are using um, instant messaging or, you know, Slack. And specifically what we don't take is content. We don't care what they're talking about. We don't care 
you know, the, the topic or any of the nuance of what's in it, but we do care about who they're talking to and how long they're talking. And are they meeting face-to-face or are they doing it, you know, again, in a, in a remote environment? Is it email? Is it live? Um, and so most of the data that we work with comes right out of those systems that the, that the companies have in place today to really understand um, how people are working. We also, if, if people are interested in knowing physical space, where people are sitting, which conference rooms they're meeting in, we also can use information that comes from the badges, you know, potentially badges that you already have for your building entry system, that we can really understand how they move around the, the, the building in terms of where work is getting done. Are they meeting in the collaboration space that you built? Are they meeting in conference rooms? Um, again, or is everything being done not face-to-face and, and a different type of collaboration? So what we collect comes from both those, those cards, those um, building entry cards, as well as from these digital systems. Um, we don't take information about who the person is. So we never collect any PII data. It's not important to us that it's John talking. It's more the which team are you on, which office are you based out of, could potentially be things like how long have you worked for the company if we're trying to understand anything about onboarding new employees. There could be some demographics, but it's very explicitly not tied to who you are individually. Um, we never get that information from the companies. They don't send it to us. So it really is about um, the, the, the group that you work in, the location that you work in, and the activity that you're having as opposed to your name or the content of your conversation. And that's, that's essentially the data that we, that we collect. You know, we really like to get it on an ongoing basis, you know, on a, on a monthly basis, for example, because we know these things are not static. It's not a one and done, we've made our assessment and now we know the answer. It's really looking at how people are engaging, is that changing over time? And as the leadership comes up with different decisions, so for example, I want two groups to collaborate more, so I'm gonna physically locate them next to each other. Well, then we wanna watch that. Did it have the intended conference? And we're gonna evaluate and say, where do we need to course correct? Where are we heading in the right? direction and so forth. So it really is, it becomes a core tool for the HR executive and for the functional leader to understand how people are working and are the decisions that management is making helping them to collaborate more easily or actually making it harder for them to collaborate. So one of the things that, that is on my puzzle list right now is is to find a good definition of work. I don't I couldn't explain to you what work is and how you would tell the difference between work at Boeing versus work at Deloitte. Um, and so, so, so what I'm wondering is how do you tell what work is, right? You've got all of this interaction information um, and it definitely happens in the sort of container of the company, but, but things, things are not work is not the aggregate of interaction work is the production of value. And so, so, so um, the, the, the question of how you see the thing that you're talking about measuring is, is of great interest to me. What do you think work is? Well, let me think about it or answer it a slightly different way. 
is I think it's, it's an important point you raise, and I think what we're trying to do is to say not what's right or what's wrong, but which behaviors and which activities are driving the results that the company is trying to to drive. And let me maybe a couple of examples might help. But one of our customers really wanted to understand what are the common behaviors among their top performing salespeople, right? We can see that these people are doing well, but is there anything about the way they engage with the organization, how who they talk to, how frequently they talk to, that would suggest, you know, it's a best practice. We can help people be more productive. Um, and one of the things that we were able to show very clearly is that salespeople who spent more time talking with the engineering team would have higher sales results. And, you know, again, exactly why that is or what the work is that they're doing together, we don't know. We, didn't, we don't have the content. But we could see that there was a very clear correlation. So whether it was building their own expertise or getting the engineers more engaged with the customer, um, the result was that these two things were highly correlated. And so then our customer was able to change the seeding plan to encourage that type of collaboration. So I'm not sure if that directly gets at your question, but again, that notion of what is it those groups are doing together is less what we're focused on and more of if we can get the right groups to collaborate and if we see that it encourages the outcomes that we're looking for, then that's the direction that we want to move. It's, it's such an interesting um field it's such an interesting field so i was wondering as as you were talking about um a problem that that i'm seeing quite a bit in the hr technology space which is that the salespeople don't actually know what they're talking about a lot of the time um and and yet um if you measured them on outcomes whether or not they know what they're talking about is an irrelevance um um, it only becomes relevant if it turns up as a customer satisfaction problem somewhere down the road. And that kind of feedback is really hard to get and integrate into something that looks at moment-to-moment interactions. So so how do you tell if people are doing the right thing? Hmm. Um, well, you know, it's interesting. You're, you're reminding me of another example, another customer engagement that we've worked on, which was less about sales per se, but we had a, you know, a very large multinational, tens of thousands of employees, and they went through their annual performance evaluation process, and they noticed that, you know, there's a group of people that were identified as top talent, the group of managers, I should say, managers and up, that were identified as top talent through the performance evaluation process, so, you know, their managers perceive them very highly. They were at, at the top of the heap. But then they also looked at the managers that were viewed by their own teams, by the upward feedback, as being the best managers. <clears throat> and, you know, an observation was there's some overlap between the top talent and the top managers, but not as much as you'd like, right? And so I, I think that gets a little bit to your question of are the top performers necessarily doing all the things that you want and in this case, are they building teams? Are they building loyalty and so forth? And so the question they asked Humanize was, what are the behaviors that you can observe that would help us understand, well, what are the top performers doing? What are the top managers doing? 
And then in particular, that, that subset of people that fits in both groups, what are they doing? And is there something that we can do to help teach and develop our managers? Now, again, because we don't collect individual data, we can't go to Susie and say, hey, you're not doing X, Y, and Z. This is what you should be doing. But what we can do is, is start to train people on these are the ways that you can both build your career at the company as well as build loyal and high-performing teams underneath them. And I think it was a really interesting way to kind of juxtapose performance with also the, the behaviors and the activities that lead to long-term success um, of, of the organization. That's what an awesome answer. So, so you're talking about a system that forces its user to only think at an aggregate level and to only examine things at an aggregate level. And generally speaking, the, the HR department is more concerned about individual transactions. So, so when, you, when you talk to somebody in HR, how do you help to bridge the sort of native bias of HR to the individual transaction, to this idea that you could possibly manage the workforce as an entity? So I don't think we want to diminish the impact of individual data. I think what we want to say is let's have both sides of the story. And, you know, as, as we look at it, one of the things that, you know, in my career, I've worked at a lot of dis- different data analytics or, um, you know, BI-related solutions. And, you know, function by function, there's been this transition away from kind of numbers I can run in Excel or things I can look at individually to what are the patterns I see organizationally. And I think what we're trying to do is encourage HR to take the individual insights that they already have, which are, I think, very critical, and to supplement that and say, what can I learn about my organization as a whole? And there is not a one-size-fits-all. Even within an organization, different functions are going to have different cultures and different behaviors different geographies, different offices will have cultures and behaviors, countries, and even within a country. And so what we're saying is we can be data-driven about really understanding what works and what doesn't work. And then again, use that to complement what what they're already um, aware of and using on the individual level. I don't think it's either or. I think it's both is a, a short answer. That's great. That's great. So how did you how did you get here? Uh, you've got a background in BI. You're on the board at WGBH. You've got this broad Harvard Business School Renaissance Woman portfolio, and now you're in a test and measurement environment for human capital. That how'd you get here? Yeah, so, that is that is a long and windy road, I will say, you know, as you, as you point out, I've been about 20 years in technology, and, you know, my primary focus has been growth, really helping companies to grow, and I've never had a specific one industry or one function. It's really been about companies that have a technology that has the potential to be transformational. So, you know, in the early days, it was um, bringing forecasting and optimization science to retailers, which had historically been about, you know, you got you became a successful retailer if you could pick the right fashions at runway shows, and, and you know the most common data analysis tool was Excel, and so really saying, well, hey, there's a lot of data here. How can we 
how can we put it in ways that business leaders can make better decisions? Um, then when I worked at Memento, which was acquired by FIS, it was the same thing, but it was around fraud detection. Um, in particular, banks, but lots of organizations lose millions of dollars to fraud each year. But the idea was with, with the right curation and structure of data, you can really start to identify patterns and notice things that are atypical and then ultimately weed out or reduce fraud that takes place. And, and to me, Humanize is another thing like that, which is it's an opportunity for applying data in ways that haven't been used before. And again, it's such, I feel like there's such potential associated with this technology to really be transformational. And that's what I think is really exciting. That's why I joined. Like the going back to what we were talking about before, it's it's very deeply rooted in science and analytics, which appeals to me and has pretty much been consistent at every company I've been at. But again, this notion that um, we can change the way people work and what's more powerful than that. Awesome. So so you you're brought in, you're the the second CEO of the company. I'm sure that your charter is something like take us to the next level. But but how about more specifically than take us to the next level? What do you hope to get done there? So what I'm hoping to get done is, you know, you mentioned Ben. Ben is really a thought leader in this space and he loves learning more about it, studying it, evangelizing it, meeting with customers, and so forth. So what I'm hoping is that two heads are better than one, and we'll let Ben really focus on the technology and are we modeling and understanding the right things? Are we getting to the right answers? And I'm going to really help with uh, how do we take this technology and um, build out our, our our market-facing side, how do we make sure that we're supporting our customers in the way that they need to be supported, and to really focus on the, the, the front of the house, you know, the, the marketing, the sales, the support, customer success, and so forth. And so Ben and I work, we speak every single day. I think it's, it's a really great um, marriage of kind of the skills that he brings and then me trying to help with that, um, the go-to-market side of things. Got it. Got it. So what do you think the big ethical issues are? Assuming that you don't start collecting individual data, um, what are the ethical issues beyond that? So I would say that, you know, in my time here and the customers that I've been meeting with, the question I've heard is you've got all this data. Why not add the individual's information? Couldn't we be more impactful if we could show them how they compare with their colleagues, or if we could let the managers know, focus on this person, they need to improve X and Y and Z. And so to me, that the ethical question, and you know, to use your description, assuming that um, you know, we're not collecting content, we're not doing any of that piece, like that's, that's fundamental, that's a starting point. But the ethical question that comes up is to say, could we be more impactful and could we actually help the employee more if we provided individualized data. And, and I think that's an interesting conversation, but Humanize really comes down very strongly on the side of we're not focused on the individual. We're gonna let the direct manager um, collect and evaluate you know, individual performance. 
we really are focused on the organization. We feel like that's where we can have the most impact. And again, you know, one of the things that we do is when we share metrics back to our customers, um, we won't show any metrics for a group that's less than three people. So not only won't we give it individually, we won't show it in a small group that people could then reverse engineer and so forth. And, you know, that's not always popular among uh, our customers, among the managers. Like they may say, I want the individual data. There's more questions I could answer here. Um, and in my mind, and some companies may go down that path, but for us, that's been a real, um, a real fundamental starting point to we're going to prioritize the employee experience over, you know, individual employee productivity and so forth. And that really drives a lot of our decisions around data and privacy. And it really, it, it drives the, um, the direction of our product. So again, you know, some companies may go a different path. They may say, you know, we'll give you all this information about Tom versus Dick versus Harry. We're not going to do that. That's the, in my mind, one of the ethical questions that's really shaping our product roadmap. Got it. Got it. So, so I wonder. You talk. You talk about understanding managers and their groups. Essentially, um, um, is it possible with Humanize to identify a demographic group or a project group that's an ad hoc group, so that you can see um, um, behavior inside of those constructs? Um, and do, and do you think about doing that? And 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 is that ethical in your view of ethics? So, first, I would say it's it's a conversation with the company around what question are we trying to answer and how do we get at that? You know, so if if the questions are about diversity and inclusion, right? Then we would want to collect certain information and answer that. You know, are people of specific groups being included in the conversation? Are they being invited to meetings? Are they being engaged at the same level as their peers? So those are questions that we can answer. I will say that we have an ethics committee that anytime a customer asks us for something that is, you know, different than we've done or maybe is pushing the edge, that the group will get together. And they've been, you know, specifically trained to really think about you know, what is the question we're trying to answer? Is it an ethical question to answer? Is there any way that the company could then reverse engineer or try to use it in the wrong way? Um, and I will say that they err on the side of caution and not answering a question or not doing a specific grouping if they think that there's something questionable about it. Um, but there is no... You know, there's there's gray areas to a bunch of things, so I think it's important that we have this group that meets regularly and really starts to discuss what are the questions that are being asked, what are the best ways to get at that, is there anything that we wouldn't want our product to be used for, and then we'll we'll act from there. But I actually think there's a lot of potential to answer some of those diversity, inclusion, grouping questions, as long as it's set up in, in the appropriate way. Yeah, it se- it seems to me that 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 as long as you stay within the lines and boxes, right? And and there's 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 a school of thought that says the lines and boxes management style is on its way out the door. But but as long as you stay within the lines and boxes, you can honor um, anonymity. But as soon as you start looking at the way that work actually gets done most places, which is in cross functional teams, um, it starts being 
inescapable who's who. Right? And and so so I wonder if you if you've thought about the fact that your approach limits your ability to see how work gets done in companies. Well, I, I think this goes back to your last question, right? Which there is some there is some set of questions that to go to a very, very fine level of detail, you would need to be able to be willing to provide information that we're not willing to provide. But I would say that's actually not the set of questions that we at Humanize are really focused on. We are really focused on organizationally, what are the, the patterns and what are the things that are working well versus less well, and less about very specific, you know, kind of finite individuals, and more about how can you, how can the leadership drive organizational effectiveness um, at a broad level? Because, you know, most of our customers are dealing with tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of employees. So really kind of how do we address um, some of the large organizational structure questions that can, that can have very significant impact on, on results. Awesome. Awesome. So where's Humanize going? What are the research horizons? What are the research? What was the question again? What, what are the next research horizons for Humanize? Uh, research horizons. Right. So I think a couple things that we're focused on for 2020. One is there's a lot of different possible data sources. And before we go and just kind of stick it into our model, we really want to understand, is it impactful? Right. So, um, you know, we've got some web conferencing systems, which are the ones that people are really starting to use and pick up traction, and we want to know which one should be included in our model. Is JIRA critical? You know, maybe if you're in engineering, it's critical that, that JIRA gets added and so forth. So we're always looking for how can we improve our models? How can we make sure that they provide as rich as possible of an understanding without kind of including noise that, that doesn't really matter? Um, you know, more and more we're seeing collaboration with real estate teams um, and with the emergence of things like smart buildings that companies have more information about kind of geography and they're asking real questions around is the open floor plan the right answer? What should collaboration spaces look like? Do I have the right mix of conference rooms? So I think that's another one of those different data sources that we're that we're building partnerships to incorporate and to see which are the ones that really can be predictive and impactful. Uh, the other thing we're really focused on is, you know, now that we're really getting momentum and getting more and more companies, we can start to see what these behaviors and what these metrics look like across companies, across industries, across geographies. And so that's something that we're really excited about is um, there's not going to be, it's never going to be there's a right or a wrong or everybody should get to this specific number, but let's have reference ranges. Let's say companies like you tend to operate in, in this particular range, and so that way companies can at least see, you know, am I spending more or less time in meetings for my teams? Are people um, having more or less time available for one-to-one -one conversation with their teammates versus managing up in the hierarchy and so forth. And really coming back to, you know, there's no right or wrong answer, but there's certainly patterns. And can we collaborate which patterns seem to correlate with higher performance versus lower performance? And, you know, again, taking the data that we have across this customer base and really starting to give companies a sense of how they compare with their peers. Because I would say for me, 
that's one of the most common questions, not just at Humanize, at any software company I've worked at. It's always been, okay, I know what my data is, but is that good? Is that bad? What does good look like? And I think that we're in as good a position as anybody to, to really start to define what good looks like and what companies should be aiming towards. How interesting. So if there's one thing, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for, for, for doing it. If there's one thing that you want a listener to recall from the conversation, what is it? Um, you know, I think it's that notion of over the last 20 years, I've really seen companies start to put data and analytics to work to improve functional performance. So, you know, marketing analytics, who's your customer? Why do they buy? When do they buy? You know, pricing, customer support. I really truly believe that HR is that next frontier. And, you know, we really think that at Humanize, we're going to put the employee first in everything that they do. And you can't do that without data. So the more that we can help companies understand their employees and help companies understand what's working and not working, the better off the employee is going to be and, and the better off the company is going to be. So I think it's really exciting. I think it really is the ability to transform the way that function thinks about the HR function, thinks about its role in the organization. And again, I think to the benefit of both the employees and, and the company itself. So thanks again for taking the time to do this. Would you reintroduce yourself and tell people how they might get a hold of you? Oh, well, thank you so much for, for having me on this morning. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm Ellen Nussbaum. If you have questions about Humanize, you can reach us at info at humanize.com, and that's H-U-M-A-N-Y-Z-E.com. And also please follow us on Twitter for more news and exciting updates, and that's at Humanize. Thanks, Ellen. It's been great talking with you, and thanks, everybody, for tuning in this morning. You've been listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations, and we've been talking with Ellen Nussbaum, who is the new CEO at Humanize. Thanks again, and we'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye now. Thanks so much.